can you think back to something that was a scary moment? Scary moments stick in our minds. I can think of a few. Uh, just give you a second to think of one, how you felt in that moment, and then I'll tell you about my scary moment. But those are the, these are the things that tend to lodge in us. We remember those things quite well. The thing I remember was about, probably about 20 years ago, actually. So, you know, it goes back away. And my brother, who's three years younger than me, um, but he has always been um, really keen on motorcycles. And about 20 years ago, I was over visiting. We'd gone over, uh, yeah, Ben was born at that stage. He was a little tiny baby. And um, we went over to Northern Ireland to visit family and went to see my brother. He lives out in the countryside. And uh, he said, oh, I've got a new bike. I thought, right, let's have a look at it. So went down to where he kept his bike and we opened up the garage. And there was this shiny, it wasn't brand new, but it was new to him and it was pretty immaculate. 1100cc Suzuki GSXR, and it was spotless, beautiful. Any of you who know motorbikes know that that is a dangerous piece of kit. It was glorious. And he said, uh, Come on, let's, I'll take you out for a quick spin. So I perch on this little thing at the back. You know, these bikes are not built for two, they're built for one crazy person. And so I, I managed to perch on the back, and the, the pegs are high, so my knees are up, and I'm holding on to his jacket. And I think, oh, this will be all right. Like, we won't go too fast. My brother took me from naught to about 100 miles an hour in about three seconds. And I tell you, I thought, if I die, I'll die quickly. It was, it was one of those moments. It was like, good grief, anything could happen. This is terrifying. I remember the feeling in my stomach. Wow, it was scary. It was scary. Not many of us touch 100 miles an hour on the road. Anybody like to admit to that? I know some of us do drive quickly, but um, 100 miles an hour we can imagine. And most of us imagine it in a car, and that is reasonably comfortable. Not many of us experience it on the back of a motorcycle. I'm still not a good passenger to this day. I'd much rather drive. I'd much rather be in control of that. Um, but um, what about 186 miles an hour? That's a strange number, isn't it? But you know, go with me. You'll see where I'm going with this. 186 miles an hour. Anybody experienced that on the, on the tarmac? Well, actually, probably most of you have done in that that's round about the sort of speed, give or take 10 miles an hour, where aircraft take off. So just before the wheels lift off the ground, you're going at somewhere between 160 to maybe 200 miles an hour. You're going in, in, that, in that ballpark. And again, sitting in, in an aircraft, that's okay. We can, we can do with that. So 186 miles an hour. Now, what about 186,000 miles an hour? That's, that suddenly leaves the realm of possibility. We can't quite imagine what that would feel like or look like. It's just way, way faster than anything that we humans ever experience. But what about 186,000 miles per second? That's the speed of light. I don't know if any of you are, you know, tracking with me there and going ahead of the curve, but 186,000 miles per second is the speed that light travels. And that is truly beyond comprehension. I cannot get my head around what, what that is like. Because, let's face it, none of us will ever approach that speed unless Star Trek is true. And, you know, we, we get to travel at warp speed at some stage in the future. 
But even then, it's not something we would experience. The reason I'm saying this is that on a cold, dark night, not that long ago, I went out to walk our glorious little dog who needs to go out late in the evening. And uh, walking along the pavement, it was a clear night, stars were out, and in my boredom, I looked up and I saw the North Star. And I thought, oh, that's beautiful. Wow, look at that. It's really bright, really, really clear. If you go out um, of, a, of a clear evening, it's the brightest, clearest star in the evening uh, in the night sky. And I looked up at it, and in my boredom, I got my phone out. And I thought, I wonder how far away that North Star is. So I got my phone out and tapped in while I'm walking along the street. And uh, it came back to me in light years that the North Star is actually 323 light years away from Earth. And then it dawned on me that that means that the light that I'm perceiving is traveling at 186,000 miles per second and has been doing so for 323 years to get to my eyeball. So when I'm looking at the North Star, what I'm perceiving is light that left the North Star 323 years ago, and the North Star is not there, but that's where it was 323 years ago. I'm like, ah, oh. my dog walk turned into a profound moment. And I, I, I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. I got home and I told Nicola about this, and I think she kind of looked at me like, you really have lost it, haven't you? Like, you know. But it was one of those moments which just turned an ordinary thing. Like, let's face it, how many times do you notice the stars in the sky? All the time. And it, it, but in that moment, as I pondered it, as it kind of went a little bit deeper into me, I, I suddenly had this profound realization of just how incredible the universe is, how incredibly small we are, how incredibly glorious what God has created truly is. And here I am, the center of his affection. And it was like, wow, wow, wow. And I feel like God wants us, as we enter into something that is so commonplace as Christmas, because let's face it, we do it every year. We sing the carols, we wrap the presents, we go to services, we do the Christmas thing. And yet, it is a profound truth that we are about to step into. We're stepping into a season that is beyond measure in terms of its profound nature. And I feel like the Lord just wants it to sink into our hearts with a fresh thump this year so that we're no longer looking at it and going, yeah, that's nice, but wow, wow. We're, we're, we're looking at this theme called So Will I because of a song that was written a number of years ago, 2017, by um, some Christian artists in Hillsong. And the lyric of the first verse and chorus goes like this. God of creation, there at the start before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the darkness and fleshed out the wonders of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. It's just the ones we know of. Love the, 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 the poetry of this is spectacular. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. 
every burning star a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. And that's the idea behind the journey that we're going on towards Christmas. Because we celebrate the star that appeared in the night sky. And as somebody said to me in between the services, having heard me the first time around, they're like, wow, the star that pointed the way to Jesus, the light from that star traveling at 186,000 miles per second must have left that star however many hundreds, thousands of years ago in order to be at the right place at the right time so that the wise men could see it, so they could travel, so they could see the Christ child. And suddenly we get the sense of the awesome huge grandeur of God's plan of bringing salvation to earth through this little child, Jesus Christ. And please, God, let it sit in our hearts with a fresh measure of glory and wonder. Don't let it just be another Christmas. It's spectacular. It's beautiful. And in a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds and how they encountered the glory of God in the Christmas season. And for them, they were just ordinary guys on an ordinary night on a very ordinary hillside. And they sat under the, under the starry sky and they probably didn't give it a second thought. And then suddenly came this profound moment which transformed them. And, and for us today, I, I want us to grasp just a, just a little slice of that glory that God has appeared and is appearing to us today, today and every day because he is the same yesterday, today and forever and he never grows old and he never grows tired of showing us his glory. And he wants us to, to live with that Awareness of his profound, profound nature. Click a button. Question. What do you do when your life is impacted by something that can only be attributed to God? Think about that. Think about something that has happened to you that is, has got God's fingerprints all over it something that he's done in answer to your prayer, something that he's done in your family circumstance, some way in which he has revealed his glory to you, taken hold of your heart and turned you and transformed you and made you new. Like that's, that's the heartbeat behind what we do, or what we did yesterday for Crafty Christmas. As I said a few weeks ago, it's not because we love craft. It's because we want people in this town to experience the encounter with the love of God. And for them to walk out of here having experienced not just tinsel, but the kindness and the love and the encounter of the Father's heart. I love the fact that it happened in the toilet for one lady. I trust it happened all across the room, all across the building for others. That's why many of us stood out in the freezing cold yesterday inviting kids to come and put ping pong balls in a reindeer's mouth and win chocolate. And next door, others of us offered spiritual readings, offered people prophecy, prophetic encouragement, so, so that they may hear the voice of God and know that they are loved and know that the God who is in their mindset as far away as the stars is also the same God who has come close to them and loves them and knows them. 
My favorite moment, uh, as I look back on yesterday, I was out there with the, in, the, in the prophecy tent, and my favorite moment was right at the very end, the very last lady that we spoke to. And we shared some things with her, and then she allowed us to pray for her as she had um, severe pain on the left-hand side of her neck, really stiff. And, and we prayed for her. And uh, as we finished and said, how are you doing? And she went, well, that's bloody brilliant. And I tell you, when they swear, you know that something's happened. It's great. And, and what we did in that moment was that we just, just understand this. Don't walk away with the thought of, oh, that's blankety-blank brilliant. Don't walk away just with that. But understand that what that means is the God who has created all things sees you, knows you, loves you. Walk away with that thought in your mind. Walk away with the realization that the one who put the stars in space sees you and knows you and loves you. That's, that's, our, that's our heartbeat. And yet for many of us, when something happens in our lives or in the lives of people around us, and we are a community full of testimony, shared a testimony a few weeks ago, and we'll share more and more as we go. There's another one coming up in a moment or two. But when we hear the testimony of what God is doing in our community, so often we treat it like a moment at the checkout of Sainsbury's where we just go, that's nice, beep. Oh, yeah, that's nice, beep. And we go on with the rest of our day. But God wants us to stop and he wants us to look at what he is doing amongst us. And to drink in the goodness of it and to recognize that this is revelation that we are meant to live with. That just as he would meet a lady in the ladies lose at CCBS, he will meet any one of us, any one of our colleagues. That we live with that expectation that, that it could be today. It could be today. It could be through the simplest, smallest thing. I was chatting to somebody last week, a church leader from another, um, somewhere in Essex, I think he, he lives, and, uh, and he was saying how the most profound prophetic word that he received was this one. You ready for it? God loves you. Ooh. But what God did in that moment, as Someone just obediently came up and said, I just feel like God wants you to know that he loves you. It was so, the, the Spirit of God rode upon those words with such force and such conviction that he ended up unable to move for three and a half hours on the floor. What would that be like in your office tomorrow? Messy? But wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> wouldn't it be incredible? If the God of the heavens just showed up like that through a simple word, simple stuff. He loves to do simple stuff, but he also loves to do some stuff that we, you know, we do tend to compare. It's not always healthy, but sometimes, you know, that's just the way we are, isn't it? 21st of November, a couple of weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, we had a prayer and prophecy and worship evening here. And God was very, very evidently in the room. Very, very evidently amongst us. Many of you were here. It was a great evening. And um, one of the things that he said uh, that evening was a prophetic word that went a little bit like this. I'll read it here because my eyesight ain't that great. I want you to live in the third day. 
the day where I completed my plan, the day when I said it is finished, the day where all things are possible through me, the day where I revealed my miracle to my people. This third day, I'm giving you a time of signs and wonders, a day where my people will be able to stand up without fear and say, Jesus is king. Step forward, my people, for I will do great things on this third day. Now that landed with a bit of a thump in my heart anyway, I'm sure for others as well. And then what God furthermore did on that evening was he brought his miraculous power to bear on at least one person's life. And in so doing, underlined to me the the strength, the, the force, the validity of this word where he is saying to us as a people, I want, you to be, I want you to be in this mindset where anything is possible, anything can happen, where I am active and living and moving amongst my church and bringing the power of heaven to earth. We're going to hear a little bit about that testimony now. Would you please welcome the wonderful Emma to the stage. Here she comes. I'll grab the microphone. Welcome, Emma. I'll give you that. No problem. There you go. Very good. Would you like to just start off by telling people um, your hearing situation as a child? What was, what was going on there? Yeah, so when I was little, probably between the age of about four and six, I had a, a head trauma. And uh, resulting from that, I lost partial hearing, so half the hearing in my left ear completely gone. Um, and when I was 20, I was having difficulty hearing, and it was affecting my work. So I went to see a specialist, and that's when I found out I couldn't hear properly out of this ear. And I didn't give it much more of the fault. And um, so Tuesday on the 21st, before I came to the uh, evening, I was praying, just simply asking the Lord, what would he like me to pray about for the evening ahead? And I got one word receive. I said, oh, okay then, I will. And I had this heart of expectation. My heart was open. I was expecting God to do something. And I sat at the back over here at the church and um, I started to uh, sense that there was something different about my left ear. I could physically feel as if somebody was touching my ear and dropping things into my eardrum. And, uh, and then I heard this word in my heart very clearly. I'm unblocking ears. So I'm thinking, oh, wonderful, wonderful. So it's a prophetic evening. It's a prayer evening. So I'm thinking, yes, we're all going to prophesy. We're going to pray. And we're all going to hear what God wants us to do. And the Holy Spirit said, no, Emma, what's happening to your ear physically? And I went, I'm healed. I can hear. Yes. And, um, yeah, and so I, I, I ran up and I shared that. I went home and the first thing I did was I put my headphones on. I always listen to music. And I can't ever hear clearly out this left ear. So I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And for the whole week and even up till now, I'm still doing it because I'm still in awe of what God can do. I, 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 I can hear completely clear out of both ears. Oh, it's just so good. That is so good. No, God didn't stop there. No, he, didn't. he went on and did something else quite amazing with your daughter. Tell I us did. what happened so, then. My daughter, Rachel, she's 14. And in March this year, she became quite ill and she was missing lots of time off school. She had a scan in August and they found a very large cyst in her ovary. And um, that was quite a concern because it runs in our family. And uh, so we prayed. And then 
we went for the scan on the Wednesday. So this happened, my hearing was healed on the Tuesday. We went for the scan at the hospital on the Wednesday. And I went with this heart just full of expectation. And I was just like, I know that that cyst is going to be gone when we get in that room. And we got there and we had the scan. And I was, I was completely shocked. It, it was gone. There was no trace <laughs> of it whatsoever. Praise God. So good. So good. Yeah, stay with us for a second. So... Flip back. What do you do when your life is impacted by something that can only be attributed to God? What do we do as a community when we hear God's prophetic voice to us saying, live in the third day. Live with expectation of my kingdom now amongst you. And then at this very same moment, he releases that word to us as his people in the room without anybody praying for Emma, without anybody praying for her daughter, God steps in, opens an ear that has been closed since childhood and removes a cyst from an ovary that's been there for months. And that was what? Five Five and a half centimeters. Five and a half centimeters in diameter. What do we do with that? I want to suggest that we lean into it if you know what I mean by that, that we say, Lord, you've got our attention. You're working. You are doing things in this community. You are, you are doing only that which you can do, and we want to say yes to you. What's he doing right now in this room without prayer, without anybody going, oh, I've got a prophetic word. We don't, God doesn't need that. He simply wants permission from our hearts to be who he is. So what are you doing now, Holy Spirit? If, if you in this room today recognize that there is something that, you know, like Emma, you're not even praying for because it's been so much part of your life for so long that you've kind of forgotten to even ask for it. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to work. Begin to do it now. If you recognize that something's shifting and changing, just thank God for it. Stick your hand up and tell us about it. But you know what? God, you're doing stuff. And we want to be a people who are responding to you with expectation in our hearts, not just here for the same old, same old every week. You're the God of the miraculous, and we say yes to you. Emma, would you just lead us in prayer that we will receive all that the Lord wants to do? Lord, I just want to thank you right now. And I've been seeking you and I just want to pray this, Father. I pray, Father, that you will continue to do the good work that you have said you're going to do in us through Christ Jesus. I pray, Father, that we will continue to open our hearts to you. And it doesn't require any effort on our part. It's just two simple things, really. To trust you, God. And to receive the love you have for us. It's just that, Lord. We don't have to do the miracles. You've already done it for us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brilliant, Emma. Thank you so much. Give her a little round of applause. Thank you. So I want us to focus in on the Christmas, or one part of the Christmas story, where God does something that can only be attributed to him. And I want us to draw some lessons from it as we start this season. 
We're looking, if I skip past that last bit, we're looking at, in Luke chapter two from verse eight. This is the story of the shepherds. Now these were ordinary blokes, ordinary guys. Uh, the uh, theologians will tell us that they were just, you know, fairly unschooled. These are people who were not academic high flyers. They were just out there doing an everyday job when a very non-everyday thing happened. And first of all, that tells me that God delights to interrupt our ordinary lives with his extraordinary presence. And I want us to be expectant to receive him in the middle of the night when you're asleep, when you're sitting at your desk, when you're listening to the radio in the car, when you're watching a movie. He loves to speak He loves to reveal who he is to everyday people just like you and me. Sometimes he shouts and does the incredible. Sometimes he whispers, but those whispers are also incredible. Like that image of the perfectly formed fingernails on the little baby's hand. Speak of the glory of God. The incredible beauty of a a snowflake. It can be anything as tiny and as simple as that when when we attune ourselves to hear his whispers. He loves to speak to his people. So here are these ordinary blokes. Luke chapter two. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped, in, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. By the way, in my reading in preparation for this, the little, the little phrase that is translated there, a vast host of others, says that you can actually translate as, that as the entire population of heaven <laughs> appeared on the, on the mountainside. Wow. Wow, just you get that sense of the excitement of heaven that in this moment, the, the eternal plan of salvation was Today, it's happening now. The angel declares it and all of heaven is just like, we can't hold ourselves back. We're there, they appear. Those poor terrified shepherds, they must have been absolutely beside themselves. These angels are praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. A very ordinary night became a very special night. But these were ordinary guys, but they were also Jewish ordinary guys who from the tiniest memory would have been brought up as part of a faithful Jewish community with the expectation of a Messiah. They would have been attending, um, I can't think of the word now, that temple place they would go to. The synagogue, that was the word. They'd been attending synagogue all their lives. And so they were already on the right team. Yeah? And the thing is, what I recognize in this is when it comes to me, when I, when I hear about the stuff that God is doing, so often I look at it and go, yeah, that, that's good. Proves I'm on the right team again. 
It's another little affirmation. Yeah, we're on the right team. We're going the right direction. It's good. It's good. But that downgrades so much of what God is doing. These shepherds, they could have very easily just taken the appearance of the angel as affirmation that, yeah, you're part of God's chosen people. You're on the right side. We're going to win. It's going to be good. Keep going. Keep being who you are. And they could have easily just scanned past that encounter with a sense of, ooh, that was a bit special, but life is normal. I'm still Jewish. I'm still all right. And so often for us, particularly those of us who have been following in the footsteps of Jesus for decades or a number of years, we hear the Christmas story. We hear the testimonies of his power. We hear the prophetic words that he is giving to his people, and we just scan it, go, boop, that's nice. Life is normal. No. He doesn't want that for us this season. He's calling us and saying, I want you to be a third day people. I want you to be on the edge of your seat with the expectation that my kingdom is right here, that my presence is right amongst you. I desire to do more than you can ask or imagine. I want this town to be full of my glory. I want the nations of the earth to turn to me and to worship me because I'm here. Let's not be a people who just scan it past and move on as if nothing's ever changed. Let's have expectations stirring in our hearts and stirring our prayers. Let's not allow our prayers simply to come when we hit up against a hardship, valid as that is. So often we pray when things are tough. Let's pray out of expectation for the glory of God. Let's pray that that person in our office who is never shown any interest in receiving the gospel, will suddenly ask the question. Let's pray that that crotchety old aunt who sits at Christmas table and never wants to hear about your faith will suddenly change. Let's pray that his kingdom comes, that people who have struggled with physical ailments, with emotional turmoil, with relational breakdown, with whatever it is, let's pray that his kingdom comes in power and they are transformed. Let's not be people who suffer from inertia. Definition of inertia. A property of matter by which it continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line. A tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. Spiritual inertia can settle onto us, particularly when it comes to Christmas. Because let's face it, we've done it however many years we are alive. We sing the carols, we wrap the presents, we cook the turkey, we do the stuff. But we actually just find ourselves going through the motions and I pray to God that we will not be a community of faith that just goes through the motions and and does nice crafty things and sings nice Christmas carols. As we keep praying in our Tuesday evening prayer meetings, and I'm sure in other times of the week as well, we pray that when people walk through those doors, that they will encounter the living God and that they will never be the same again. As scripture says, that they will fall down before us and say, surely God is in this place, not just in the ladies' lose, but everywhere, everywhere. This is who our God is, and this is his invitation to us. 
And he doesn't want us to be a people of inertia. As Alison's sense earlier, as she shared about this lead, this dog lead, back to the stories of dogs, they feature highly today. He wants us to run. He wants us to run with the, with the things of his kingdom. He wants us to charge off into the things of his kingdom and that for that lead to go run out way far, far further. He doesn't want us to settle for a three meter length that just gets us to church on a Sunday and the rest of the week's just the same as ever. He wants us to be a people who carry his presence with him Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday night, wherever we are. And he has said, I will speak. I am here. My presence is with you. Are we expectant? I just want to pray for us that that expectation will go deep. I'll tell you what, it might help us to stand. If you're up for it, stand with me. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, it would be so easy for us just to be good religious people. But God, we are so wholeheartedly disinterested in being good religious people. Lord, we are people of your spirit, people of your presence. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will work in us to produce a hunger and thirst for the things of your kingdom that cannot be explained in any other way. We say, living God, let this Christmas season be a time, Lord God, which is so far from business as usual, but a time, living God, where we see you at work in our family members, in our friends, in us, Lord Jesus. And help us, like those shepherds, to stir ourselves away from the familiar and to run after you with expectation of encounter. Expectation of seeing you doing immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Lord Jesus, we give ourselves to this and we say, Lord be glorified, be glorified this Christmas, be glorified in our carol experiences next Sunday afternoon, be glorified at Messy Nativity, be glorified on Christmas morning, be glorified every day, Lord Jesus, because you are worthy, you are worthy for every tribe and every tongue on the face of the earth, you are worthy to receive glory, there is no one like you. If the stars are made to worship, Lord, so will I, so will I be glorified amongst your people, King Jesus.